Good morning. Keep standing. I have a guest who's going to help us pray this morning. I'm going to brag on him while he's coming up. He's going to grab his mic. This is Preston, Preston Dixon. And Preston is one of my favorite people. Preston inspires me. He's been in several, get that right there, gatherings that I've been in. I, I teach a class called Spoken Blessing. And Preston's probably the only person I know who keeps speaking blessings over people. And he always shares them with me. So Preston is going to pray for us today. And then we're all pray the Lord's Prayer. Sound good? Oh, thank you for uh, let me be here, Clayton. But uh, all right, guys, would you pray with me? Okay. Father God, maker of heaven and earth, thank you for making this world. God, I pray that we make the Sabbath day a day of rest and fun. God blessed it, which it meant he gave it life. So by practicing the Sabbath, you have hope to give us new life. So come, Holy Spirit, and breathe new life into this room, our hearts, and our lives today. We say yes to your will for us. And would you pray the prayer, Jesus taught us, brothers and sisters. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Everybody give press a round of applause. Come on. I'll put it back for you. Thanks. All right, go ahead. All right, you can have a seat. Actually, if you want to say hi to some people real fast. Just say hi. All right, you can have a seat whenever you're done. Keep talking, though. It's good to be together. All right. One more time for Preston. Come on, that was, that was awesome. Thank you, Preston. All right, this is the final Sunday in our series on the King's Economy. And I just have to say, I, for one, uh, if you haven't been tuned in, tune in. But I'm super, just really grateful for this series. I'm grateful because I've been watching people in our church family live under the reign of this king. And what, how they're choosing to live, their forgiveness, their kindness, their generosity has inspired my family. I think our family's trajectory has changed a little bit. Because of what's happened these past, I think, six weeks. This is week seven, I think. I'm not quite sure. But today is a gift to you. That's what it is. It's a gift, right? Uh, it's called the gift of Sabbath, which might not feel like a gift for some. Uh, it might feel like the gift that you get from somebody that you don't really want. It's that shirt that you got, and you don't really want to wear it. So you smile and grit your teeth, and then you put it in your closet until next year. When you see them again, you put it back on for them. Or you donate in a different town. Sabbath, right? <laughs> Sabbath is tough. But I think after today's Sabbath, is going to be really good. Preston's prayer alludes to it. It's new life. It's going to be a good day, all right? So my uh, uh, sermon today is it's, uh, structured around a question. And then we'll find the question in our text. And the question is this, and I have a slide for it, is do I know how to say enough? I'm borrowing this from somebody else. I can't take credit for it. Do I know how to say enough? 
So to let you know at the end, I'm not asking you to get prayed for. You're going to go get prayed for. And you're going to be thinking about a question. The question is going to be, what do I need to say enough to today? What do I need to say enough to? And I think you need to go get prayed for because I think we're going to need some help saying enough. And when someone lays hands on you and prays for you, the Holy Spirit comes like we just sang, and you can say enough. So can I say enough? That's what today is all about. So I was getting ready for today. I found this uh, analogy. Like, how, what do we have to say enough to? I don't know. I'm not sure what that is for you. And we kind of need to make some room for that. So I found this analogy in the book called Subversive Sabbath. And it was about a stethoscope, which I was going to bring when I forgot it this morning. I'm sorry. But a stethoscope is what doctors use, right, to hear you. So when I go to the doctor, I have small kids. The room is loud. It's never quiet. But they have the stethoscope, and they can still hear heartbeats. They can hear your lungs. That's a new invention. How do doctors used to hear your heartbeat? Well, the whole room had to be. And then he might, he or she might say something like, you take some deep breaths with me? Do it with me. Here we go, right? In. It's quiet. One more. And after you're quiet, the doctor would actually lay their ear on your chest or on your back and listen to your heart. Or listen to your lungs. So I think the invitation for us today is, what do I have to say enough to? What does this gift of Sabbath mean? I think the invitation is for us to lay our heads on the heart of our Heavenly Father. Most of the time, we tell him, we want him to listen to our heart. I think today, we listen to his heart. I think he has some things around Sabbath that he wants you to know about yourself. I think he has some things he wants you to know about him. But we have to be quiet, rest, big deep breaths, all right? Okay, this going to be good. I'm excited about today. All right, we're going to be in Genesis again. And uh, we're going to look at St. Patrick's last week. It's going to be a little bit different. And we're reading three parts of it, not the whole thing. It's on up there. If you have a Bible, if not, get your phone out. But we're going to read the, the reason why we're reading these three parts is as I've been studying this, um, the way the person wrote this, the Holy Spirit guided it to be, to be written, it's a... It's a really beautifully crafted narrative, okay? And the, it has bookends, and it works its way towards a center. There's something buried inside this creation story that the creator wants us to know, all right? So we're going to read the front, we're going to read the back, and we're going to find the middle. All right, sound good? All right, so we're going to be in Genesis 1, and read just 1 through 2, I think. Yep. All right, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. We're talking about Sabbath today. We're talking about rest. What's happening right there? Nothing. It's God. Father, Spirit, Son, he's coming up next. Just together. They're at rest. Before the world's formed, there they are. Let's go to the back end. Genesis 2, 2 through 3. That's the front, back. By the seventh day... God had finished the work he had been doing, so on the seventh day he rested from all of his work. And God blessed the seventh day, and he made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. So it began with rest. This narrative, this poem, this story ends with rest. I wonder what's right in the middle. 
This is the actual center word of the whole thing. Genesis 1, one we're just going to 14. And God said, Let there be lights in the expanse of the sky to separate the day from the night, and let them serve as signs to mark seasons and days and years. The center word of the whole thing is seasons. That's how we translate it. It's also the sacred times. The actual word is moad, if I said that right, which means Sabbath. It's the Sabbath festival, celebration, Sabbath rest. So this story, this narrative begins with rest, and it ends with rest. This creation story. And the dead center, the treasure in the middle he's trying to direct us to is rest. Fascinating. So God the creator creates, and he creates this huge and powerful, he's making all these things, he's doing this stuff. And then he says, it's good. It's beautiful if you're in the sanctuary last week. And he says, enough. It's good enough. I've been asking, do I know how to say enough? Apparently God knows how to say enough. Enough. So I'm told about this about creatives and artists, that they know when to say enough, all right? So if you're at home, push pause and look up the Davis statue by Michelangelo. I think we have a picture of it, hopefully. Yes. So Michelangelo created this statue of David, 17 feet tall with gigantic, massive hands. It's striking. It's, it's, it's huge. And people for hundreds of years have been traveling. 1.2 million people a year go to see this gigantic statue of David. It's larger than life. It's incredible. What if Michelangelo had kept tinkering with that thing and making the hands smaller and making him shorter, more lifelike? Would people still want to go see it? I don't know. I think Michelangelo knew when to say, enough. And now we all flock to it and say, wow, like creation, maybe. So maybe you're not an artist or a creative. This, is, this one's more for me. So when I was growing up, I loved to play basketball. I was told to play basketball well, you have to shoot a whole bunch of shots. You shoot and 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 you shoot. Hundreds of shots, thousands of shots, you just you shoot and you work on it, you work on it. So I was doing that. And a person wise than me one time came to me and said, what are you doing? I said, I'm shooting. I said, how do you get better at shooting, right? I said, well, yeah, kind of. But here's the problem. If you shoot and shoot and shoot and you get really, really tired, guess what? Your mechanics, your form get all wrong. And you keep shooting, and then you actually cement that wrong form as your habit, and that's how you shoot. So by shooting too many shots, you ruin your shot. You have to know how to say enough. Huh. God knows how to say enough. Do I know how to say enough? So for six days, God created, and he said, it's good, enough, it's beautiful. <clears throat> so regardless if you're churched or unchurched, I feel like we've all kind of heard this story from time to time. It's kind of a common story. There's a lot in this story, though. So remember this day, the Bible says, over and over and over. Remember this day, remember this day, remember this day. So I'm asking myself tons of questions. When I read this book, I ask tons of questions. There's so much more in it. Remember. Why remember? Why don't you say just do this day? Because it seems to be if you remember this day, this specific day, the seventh day, the creation story, if you remember that day, you might want to do it. Not just do it. Not out of just, no. There's something to this story that makes you want to do it. But I found I'm pretty forgetful. As I've been for, getting ready for this sermon, I've realized I am terrible at saying enough. I'm terrible at resting I have a story I'm not going to share with you right now, but I just ask myself, why am I so bad at this? Why can't I figure this out? Why don't I care about the Sabbath? Why don't I care to say enough? 
Well, I thought about it. It's the longest commandment, right, in the whole entire Ten Commandments. It's kind of the bridge between God and worshiping God and living with each other. But then I was thinking about all the other commandments. It's like, it's worship God. Don't have no other uh, idols. Uh, don't kill people. Don't cheat. Don't steal. And take a day off. Well, I mean, when I think about those things, I'm like, well, that seems, the day off seems like it's not as important. But I think actually it's really, really important the more I study so then I got to ask myself, so I, I, I stink at this. I keep forgetting it. Once you remember it, well, who is hearing this story? Who is receiving this creation story for the first time? Who's really hearing it? Well, it's the Israelites. You know, the Israelites, if you don't know the story, it's the second book of the Bible in Exodus. They've just been brought out of slavery for 430 years. They have never known a day off. They've never known rest. They don't even know someone who knows about rest. So they manual labor seven days a week, all week, all month, all year, year after year. They work every day. Their parents work every day. Their grandparents work every day. Their great-great-grandparents. Everybody just has worked and worked and worked and worked and worked. Here's this creation story. God's like, yeah, works good, but you have to rest. You can rest. So their value as a person has been tied wholly to what they can produce and what they can do. They have to be good enough produce enough to be worth something. They're slaves, so it's not a lot, but to be worth something, they have to do things over and over again. I felt like that sometimes, that my identity, who I am, my value as a person is tied to what I can do, to what I can create. Actually, I was getting ready for today, and uh, yesterday, uh, I've been thinking about this, and we have some family in town, I thought, I could get up early and work on this message today. But that seems kind of opposite of what I'm talking about today. I have to be able to say enough. I'm ready. Let's do this thing. Let's trust the Holy Spirit. So here we are. The Israelites are out of slavery finally. They come to this mountain. They've seen God do signs and wonders. They've seen the Red Sea part, and now God descends on a mountain, this huge, powerful God. He's thunder and lightning, and there's fire. The earth is shaking. Then you want to go near the mountain, this huge God. He says, I created Everything. And because I did, and I can rest, you can rest. Your value is not tied to your work. Rest. So the story, right, is about creation and rest. I've never read it that way before. I was always focused on the creation. So it's bookended by rest. The center's rest. People who need, are hearing it need to rest. They need to understand they can take it out that, that who they are is not tied to what they do. If you don't think that's enough evidence to say this story is really about learning how to rest, listen to this. So within this creation story, there's seven days, right? Seven days, everybody knows that? Some fun things. Seven times God says his creation is good. He's pointing to the seventh day. In the Hebrew, the first verse has seven words. In the Hebrew, you're hearing this story, the second verse has 14 words, sometimes two. The final verses about the seventh day, there's three lines of seven words, seven times three. Then there's a, a uh, see, the, the seventh verse has 35 words, seven times five. Seems like maybe the person who's telling the story wants us to pay more attention to the seventh day than days one through six. I don't know. That's how it seems to me. And if that's not weird enough, have you noticed the refrain in the creation story? I didn't read it, but he always says there's evening and then there's morning. 
There's evening and then there's morning the first day. There's evening and then there's morning the second day. There's evening and there's morning the third day. That is not right, God. We start our days in the morning and we end our days in the evening, right? Come on. So fascinating. It's almost as if God is saying, you know how I want you to start your day? At rest. I made you. I love you. I think that you are good. You're beautiful. You're broken. Yeah, I've got a plan for that. But the first thing I need you to know before anything else is that what you do in the course of the day is not going to change how I feel about you. Evening and then there's morning. What a different way to think. You begin your day with eight hours of sleep. What a good day you're going to have, right? Come on. So I was just thinking, talking to Israelites, 430 years. He's telling me, who you are is not dependent on what you do. Love you already. We have things to do together, but I love you. To us today, I mean, I check my phone all the time, right? I'm always doing things. I'm so task-driven. To us today, he says, I made you. I love you. I think you're beautiful. And this God loves work. He worked for six days. Most of us work for five. He created everything. He has things for us to do. When it says we're made in his image, we're his representatives, we're taking the world somewhere. It started in a little garden. He's like, let's do some stuff together. But you have to know, you can rest. And if you can rest one day a week, all throughout the week, you can say, enough. I can stop. It's good. That's enough for today. But I found, just in, you know, like I kind of alluded to, in typical human fashion, we try to put some guardrails on this day. How do, we, how do we make this day function? And this day became a day of what? When I grew up, it felt like a day of no's, things you cannot do. You can't do that. You can't do that. And that was not the intent, I don't think, of the day, right? This is a life-giving day. This is a great day, right? But we do, that's what I do. Maybe that's not what you do. So Jesus came on the scene. He's the, the plan. He's the, he's the way that God said, I know you're broken. I got a plan for that. First, I know, just know I love you. He's the plan. He comes on the scene. and We're visual people. We need, we need to see how this works. He says, let me show you how this works. He says, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. Let me explain it to you. What did he do? Read the Gospels. First parts, he is healing people on the Sabbath. He is freeing people on the Sabbath. He's casting out evil things on the Sabbath. He's breaking bread on the Sabbath. He is celebrating the Sabbath. Everyone's welcome at his table. Everyone can come. Everyone can repent. Everyone can change. He says, that's the Sabbath. So on our Sabbath, whatever day you choose, what do we do? We worship the one who made us, who said, you are good and I love you. We gather together. We break bread together. We have fun together. We share life together. We say, you know, I need to be prayed for, which you're going to do at the end of today. I need some help. I can't do this alone. That's the Sabbath. It's not a day of just laying around doing nothing. If you want to do it, you can. But it's a day for everyone else, too. Jesus said the Sabbath was made for us, not us for it. This is a gift. This is the best day. Did you know that if you live to be 70, you get 10 years of this day. It's like 3,650 days. How many more days is that than your vacation days? What if that was part of your rhythm in life? If your family knew you're going to have this day once a week, what kind of legacy are you leaving for your family? This is the day that propels us through the week. This is a good day. And so God blessed this day. That's a weird thing, right? Blessed time. In the creation story, he blesses animals, 
and he blesses people. He says, be fruitful and multiply, which I just read as being just create new life. He says, then I bless this day. I bless time. So if you do this, guess what happens? You get the gift of new life. You can go. You can be free. This is the best thing. So how can time give life? I'm going to have my friend Caleb come here in just a minute. We're going to talk about this a little bit. But we've been, so there's a summer staff. We have, we have three guys, and they're, all, they're on, on the summer staff. We've been talking about this for a few weeks. And uh, we create, we, there's this movie out right now called Yes Day. Anybody seen it? Yes Day? Okay, a few people have. So here's the concept of this movie. We're talking about the Sabbath. We're talking about, do, can I say enough? Um, uh, as parents, we just say no all the time. And that is true. Don't do that. No, don't do that. No, hey, stop. No, no. You know, I have two little kids. No, 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 no. So this yes day is this day that a parent's supposed to be able to say yes to everything, which sounds like a bad idea, right? <laughs> so what you do is you create parameters on this day, and within the parameters of the day, you get to say yes. It's supposed to be the most fun day for your entire family. No agenda, no phones. You have like a little budget. Whatever you want, you make this day. So we were talking. What if our Sabbath day was a yes day? Whatever day you choose. Crits and parameters. We say yes to God, right? We say yes to each other. And we just say yes to fun. What if that was the Sabbath day? What a good day. So keep coming up. And he's going he's gonna to play around with somebody to give you some ideas and kind of talk about it. So... Oh, I need to give you a mic. Okay, so yes to God, yes to each other, and yes to fun. So what does it mean to say yes to God? So um, some examples, or saying yes to God, I think and believe it's a way of accepting, like accepting my God's love for me, accepting that uh, I trust him, I can put my life into his hands, and he holds it all together. Another example I thought of was uh, in the Gospels a lot, the disciples respond with, uh, like, yes, Lord, as in a question. So saying yes to God is also a way of listening to him. Hmm. And um, something I found was really interesting was uh, love requires choice. And if God is love, then I think we need to say yes to God. So... Saying yes to him is kind of one of the most important things you can do. So yes to God, yes to each other, and yes to fun. What it means to say yes to each other. This is also a uh, way of accepting someone's love for you. And I found in, uh, or actually Clay found this. Uh, we talked about it. We talked about it. Philippians 2, 3 through 4. And I found, um, this is from the NIV, but I have another version that will is really good. Um, it says that, uh, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but, to, but each of you to the interests of others. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. And I think this is perfect for Yes Day, too. And I found, um, I keep stealing this book from Clay, because it's, it's so good. It's uh, the direct Greek translation of the New Testament. So that same verse, Philippians 2, 3 through 4, in this version says, Nothing according to rivalry or according to vainglory, but rather in humility, esteeming each other as far better than your own selves. 
each looking not to his own concerns, but rather to the concerns of others. And I think this is perfect for yesterday because let me tell you a secret, guys. It's not all about you. You have a family, too, that um, you can do things that other people want to do, too, not just yourself. And I know I struggle with that, too. I can be pretty selfish like that. So doing something out of your comfort zone for the willingness of someone else and putting someone else's needs before yourself are good examples of saying yes to each other. So say yes to God, say yes to each other, and yes to fun. And saying yes to fun, Clay put this perfectly. He said things that just bring you life, things that bring you joy, things that just bring out the best in you. And lately for me, it's been um, like hanging out with my family in general too because my family is so crazy and so much fun. And hanging out with, um, I call my second family, my it's our baseball team this summer, and we've hung out so much outside of just baseball, and we've had a blast getting to know each other and going through the season together. So saying yes to each other, saying yes to fun, and saying yes to God all on the Sabbath. And I think yes day is a perfect day for all families out there. So parents, be aware. And all you kids out there, too, I want you to nag your parents to <laughs> get them to do this day because I think everyone should do this day. So say yes to God, say yes to each other, and say yes to fun. What are the three things? Yeah, we're going to give a handout, but you got, you got it. We got this. We can do this, right? Come on, Kia. Well done. All right. So who's going to do it? Who's going to try it? And it's for everybody. You can find roommates, friends. Just, say, just, just try it yesterday one time. If you do it, write me about it. I want, I want to hear about it. We kind of did one a few weeks back. We have an Adventureland pass. And after I had preached, we went up there, and we had no agenda and we just let our kids ride the rides all day. You want to ride twice? Great. Three times? Great. And they had the best day. And when you watch your kids have a great day, it's a good day. So try yes day. So that's for you as you're leaving. Uh, for us here today, I told you at the beginning that you're going to be thinking about what do you need to say enough to. What I find so fascinating about this story is that because God could say enough at the end, he could say enough throughout the course of the week. So he he could rest and it spills out into the rest of his week. So when he was done creating the heavens, whatever, it's good. Made the people, it's good. It's very good. He could do it. It, it goes everywhere, okay? So what do you need to say enough to? So I was reading stories about Jesus on the Sabbath, and there's a lot of them. And there's one I found really fascinating. Uh, it's about a guy, it's in John. He's laying by a pool. He's been laying by this pool for 38 years. And he's been trying to get into this pool because if you get into it, they think the water moves at different times. They think if you can get into it, you might get healed. So this guy's been trying to get healed for 38 years. He's not healed yet. So Jesus comes in. He sees him. He knows the situation. And his question to the man is so interesting to me. He says, do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? I'm not saying that if we want things, we always get things. You know, I was talking to, to a friend who got prayed for recently. He said what, what I hoped would happen long-term didn't happen. But he said that day, that day that I got prayed for was a different day. Just different. I felt the presence of God throughout that day. But Jesus says to this man who's laying by the pool, do you, do you want to get well? I couldn't help but think things that we need to say enough to sometimes become who we think we are. Comes our identity. 
becomes what we think, how we get our value, and we choose those things over other people, like we're talking about the yesterday, the people feel diminished. The people we're with feel less than. What do you need to say enough to? Do you want to say enough? I mean, actually, I've asked myself this for like a week. Do I want to say enough? Some other prayer ministers come up. They're going to be out throughout the last song here. I'm going to pray for us here in a second. You know what? Would we, would we talk to each other for a minute? As they come up, if you're comfortable, verbally process this a little bit. I want to give you a minute because I want, oh, I'm not asking you to get prayed for. I'm saying you're getting prayed for before you leave. I'm a little concerned we're not going to have enough prayer ministers. All right? There's people out there. If you think you can pray, if you need to, come up to the front because we're all going to get prayed for today. So it says something about this book about on, on this Sabbath day when they would gather. It was really important to lay hands on each other and pray. So that's what we're going to do today because we trust You know, to say enough to something means I trust something. If I can say enough to myself or say enough to a thing, it means I trust in something else. I'm willing to say, I won't do that today. I won't make that today. I won't return that email. I said, no, I'll I'll actually go look at my kids and play with them for a while. Instead of just whatever you say enough to. Maybe something, maybe there's something that's happened to you that has, that you didn't do. But that thing has become who you are. And you've actually become enslaved to this thing that you didn't do. And you need to say enough today. You need help saying enough. Please come get prayed for. So I'm gonna give you a minute and just think, talk, and I'm gonna pray, okay? All right. What do you need to say enough to?
high King of heaven, King Jesus. You are creator God. On this, on the Sabbath day, you longed for freedom. You tried in as many ways you could to show there's freedom to be had in you. That we can rest in you, all-powerful God, because you made us and you love us. Before we do anything else, before anything else happens, we have to know first just how deeply, deeply, deeply you love us. So we just ask, Holy Spirit, would you get convicted in our hearts it's a good thing to feel so moved that you have to do something about it you're doing that because you long for us to be free in you to know your love to know this new life in you so we just I ask I plead I pray we stand we just, that people in this room we in this room as a body would say yes to your will for us today, that we would say yes to you, Holy Spirit, that we would say yes to being prayed for, we would say yes to your freedom, we would say yes to whatever it is you have for us today, that we would take steps out, that we'd be strong, we'd be courageous, that we would go and walk up to the front, which always seems scary, but it's not. But we do that today so we could know how you feel about us, so you can share new things about us and share new things about you with us. So I just pray throughout this worship time and extended time that would you help us all to lay our head and our ear on your heart. We can hear your heart for this place, for each of us, for we just want to hear from you. So come Holy Spirit, have your way. Pray in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit.